Hi, guys, and thank you so much for listening to our bonus episode. My name is Jadon. And I'm Yana. And today we're going to be covering the George Floyd murder trial. Today is day one of week two. Mm-hmm. And um, basically what our goal is, right, is just to give a quick little synopsis week by week of what we saw and what we found to be important pieces for you guys. And maybe, you know, you might be interested in this. Uh, we were. I personally feel like I owed it to Mr. Floyd to mm-hmm. watch this all the way through. Um, and I will. So because of that, why not document it? Yeah. So... Uh, like I said, today is day one of week two, and I guess we'll work backwards till today. Yeah. So the last episode, so for, for those of you guys that, um, are just here for the bonus, the very first time we discussed this is not on the last episode, but the one before. So episode two is the first time we talk about Mr. Floyd and his trial. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of pick up on this one here. So, uh, at this point here, we've got the firefighter who was um, someone who was on scene. She was just walking by in plain clothes. Mm-hmm. She witnessed Mr. Floyd being pinned down on the ground, prone position, dying of asphyxiation because Baltimore had his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck for over nine minutes. Mm-hmm. I think we're doing Baltimore a disservice. Let's call him the officer. Mm-hmm. The officer. Got mm-hmm. it. All right. No problem. So the officer has his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck for Mm -hmm. over nine minutes. We talked about last episode that it was discrepancy because for a very long time, it was seven minutes that everyone referenced. And there were even like, remember the, um, the protest that people did where they were quiet for seven minutes and maybe so many seconds. Do you remember that? Yeah. Eight minutes. Oh, maybe it was eight minutes. Okay. Eight minutes in, um, some eight minutes in, 23 something like that but yeah but um so you went on to uh say that um the 911 operator thought her fault her screen had frozen because when they went back to review it it was actually nine minutes a little longer than nine minutes nine minutes and 29 seconds or nine Mm -hmm. minutes and 30 seconds yeah she actually was watching this and let me kind of go back so i'm gonna do like a really quick synopsis here so boom we're gonna start from the beginning this is what happened george floyd went to cup market and bought a pack of cigarettes. It seemed like there may be some discrepancy in figuring out whether or not he was getting his phone repaired because he was in the store for quite some time. Mm-hmm. George Floyd is was, excuse me, a tall man and very muscular and fit. Also black. So to most people that are not black, you see a man like that, that means you should be afraid. Mm. Crazy. Anyway, the reason why I'm mentioning in that is because many people that didn't know him, but that met him for the first time, referenced his size. Mm -hmm. But they also referenced that he was kind and nice. And so George went, he was in the store for some period of time. He was chit-chatting. While he was in the store, he was talking to someone that seemed to be an acquaintance. And the young man who was working at Cup Market, who assisted him, had to take him out of the area that would be like um, like the general area where there's like food and things like that to an area that's designated specifically to tobacco and tobacco mm-hmm. products. Mm-hmm. So while he was going there, there was some small talk. 
where he talked to George about him being into sports because that's how fit he appeared. The, the delayed response from George made the young man believe that George was probably under the influence of something because he was delayed. Mm -hmm. He sells him the cigarettes and leaves George. The kid that's working there is looking at the $20 bill because he said it was like an odd blue tinge to it. Mm -hmm. And he thought that it was a fake $20 bill. And the guy that George seemed to have been acquaintances with had came in previously with a fake $20 bill and he kicked him out the store. So he really thought that happened, but he didn't say anything to George about it because he didn't think George knew. Mm -hmm. The type of store was they had a policy is that if you took a fake bill, you had to pay for it. Yeah. So this kid was prepared to just say, fuck it. I'm going to just eat this 20 because I don't think this dude even knew what was mm -hmm. going on. And plus he was high. So whatever. Um, so he let it go. But the manager, for some reason, because he kept looking at it, the manager realizes what's going on and encourages his employees to go out there and confront George. When they do, George isn't like an asshole. He's just kind of like chilling and like non, non real responsive, like putting his hands on his head. Like, you can't be fucking serious right now. That was mo more so his attitude. What mm -hmm. ended up happening is the manager of the store didn't like that and told another person working there to call the police. When the police got on the scene at this time, there was George who was in his car, which was a Mercedes truck, an older one. And there was a guy who was parked behind, just a regular pedestrian who was parked behind George, waiting for Chinese food that was located across the street from the cup market. When this guy from who was parked behind George, who did not know George, noticed that police were coming, one of the police officers looked like he was going for his gun. So he started recording. Yeah. And he was right. It was the officer. So the mm -hmm. officer approaches George Floyd while he's in his car, sitting at the driver's seat, talking to the acquaintance who had previously used a, a fake $20 bill. And there's a woman in the back seat. Mm -hmm. While he does that, he's knocking on the door. George has no idea what's going on. It's a police officer who's basically screaming, show me your hands with his gun drawn at George. George is scared to death and he, he looks it. He's telling the officer, I've been shot like this before. I've been shot like this before. And you can see that he's like trying to get himself together. But mm -hmm. the officer is not having it. He put your hands, put your hands, blah, blah, blah. The other officers that are dealing with the woman in the passenger seat in the back and the passenger seat in the front, they're, none of their weapons are drawn. And they're not responding to them in the same way that the officer is responding to George. Right. George immediately gets handcuffed and, you know, taken to the opposite side of the street while the two people that were in the passenger seat front and back began to get questioned by another officer. While George is being walked, he's telling them, like, I can't believe this is going on. I'm not this kind of person. What am I being arrested for? You know, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Whatever, whatever. He's, he's actually stating, people know me. Like, yo, this is not my character. As they go to try to put him in the back seat, he's basically stopping them and saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. Basically, I need to catch my breath in a way. He's saying, I can't get in the back seat. I'm claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. They don't give a fuck. They push him in anyway. He's telling them, you're hurting me. You're hurting me. They're still doing it. Uh, they're trying. They're tussling, trying to get him in the car. At one point, he gets in the car, but there seems to be some problem because George is trying to scoot out because he's panicking. Mm. Not like he's trying to run. He's simply saying, let me sit down for a minute. They could have also called a paddy wagon, in my opinion, at this point. But they didn't. Because he's bigger. Yeah. Because he's huge. Yeah. And he's telling you I'm claustrophobic. Like, right. how hard is it to just get him in something bigger? 
Well, let's keep it in perspective. It's a counterfeit $20 bill. He wasn't coming in there with thousands of dollars, like a cartel ring. And he didn't have a weapon. Right. You know, so long story short, they pull him out the car and then there's, there's some type of a tussle, but it's not a tussle with George. It's a tussle with the police officers trying to make George's body go in the, the position that they feel comfortable. Mm. At this point, they have him on his stomach, handcuffed behind his back. He was handcuffed since he got out the car, his own car, by the way, and walked across the street. He was never not. At this point, he's on his stomach. He's in prone position with his hands behind his back and two officers on the bottom part of him and the officer has his knee on the neck. There are mm. all these spectators that are watching George is yelling out at an older man who comes by and this older man is basically trying to calm George Floyd down. Not because George is out of control, but because anybody who would have walked on this scene that's black would have been scared that he was going to die. If, if, because the police looked like they were going to kill him. So this whole thing happened. So it's a number of witnesses that came and testified last week. The old man I just talked about, the kid who dealt with the counterfeit money, um, there's a, the police officer that may not, excuse me, not the police officer, the off-duty fire um, department worker, firefighter lady, um, her too. And she identified herself. She offered to do CPR. She asked them repeatedly to check his pulse. They didn't. We all know the story. We all know the fate. He died. While this went down, and to interrupt Yana if I'm, if I'm wrong, if I misspeak, they talked to the police captain, I believe. They talked to quite a few people. Mm-hmm. Everybody came out basically saying, I hate that I didn't do more. Yep. And were literally broken. It was very few people who weren't crying. Mm-hmm. The young kid who worked at the store actually said, I just, I really regret that I said anything. Because, yep. you know, this would have never happened if I didn't say anything, you know? And I mm-hmm. agree to a, to a degree, not with him, but with his manager. And this doubles back to what our episode, episode three, um, comes back to know where you spend your money. Because if you're going to, yep. you know what I'm saying? Because poor George went in there spending $20 and lost his life. And I'm not sure if the cup market is still in business, but I would never shop there if I lived in Minneapolis. Right. But this goes again to our community has to come together and start making places for us to spend our money. That's a very good point. That is a very good point. Touche. So kind of moving along this week, it's a, uh, it was the EMTs and both of the EMTs basically said he looked like he was dead when we were there. Uh, we never got a pulse from him. We tried cardiac. He was in cardiac arrest. One of the other, um, looked like the, 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 just the worst lawyer ever, by the way, the defendant, he's horrible. Uh, I honestly wonder if he's working for the other side because that's how terrible a job he's doing in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, at one point, one of the, um, the EMTs, no, excuse me, the paramedics actually said back to the defendant, excuse me, to the uh, defense attorney said, the, the defense attorney asked him, so what were you doing? What, what did you want? Did you need the fire department to come to assist you? He was like, I needed anybody who could help me save this man's life. Mm. You know, like we were trying to bring him back. 
it was mm-hmm. like so like he you could just see the disgust on his face like even at one point they asked like and once you got to the hospital what happened and he was like he never came back from being flatlined like you're trying to make us say that he wasn't dead until he got to the right. hospital but he was dead right you know what i mean he was non-responsive he was never responsive he didn't respond to medication he didn't respond to cpr he didn't respond to chest compressions he didn't respond to someone breathing for him he was murdered the doctor actually testified as well, and he's and he pretty much said that the cause of death was um, asphyxiation. Yes, and that's what they didn't want to happen, but it is asphyxiation. And then uh, today, uh, they also had the doctor who basically said the same thing. He, he also testified that he was never told of any drugs being in his system, and that that would be highly unlikely for them not to be told. And then the police chief who fired the officers also testified today and did a great job. I mean, he couldn't have did any better. Right. And basically right. went on. His testimony was like, that was pretty much where it ended today, I believe. Yeah. Was with- yep. There's one more. There's a there's a trainer, a woman who was a trainer that was in the same, who, who went, started when the officer started. Mm-hmm. So she's there talking about the type of training right. that they went through. Right, right, yep. And things like that, but one thing that I really want to say is that for years I worked with troubled youth and in the very beginning of that job, we had to learn how to physically restrain kids. And when I'm saying kids, you're probably thinking like small kids, but the Mm -hmm. majority of these kids were bigger than I was or as big Mm -hmm. as I was. Mm -hmm. And so we had to learn how to stop someone from being violent towards us, someone else or themselves without Mm -hmm. fighting them, you know? So I had learned, I mean, I could take down probably a 300 pound man uh, if I had someone else that knew what we were doing, you know? You could... The officer and the other officers Correct. on scene should have been trained to do those things. And, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And also over the years of me working in that uh, field, I became a therapeutic crisis intervention trainer. And I was a trainer for about six years. And these thing, these this particular training came from England, and it was modified every single year, mm-hmm. and it mimicked what a cop or a paramedic or a hospital would do with a patient. So when I initially saw this video, I knew something was wrong, because when someone's in a prone position and their hands are behind their back, it already causes tension on their chest. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that you can't apply any pressure at all to someone's neck. You should be at their shoulder. Yeah. You can't rest your body on someone's back. Even if you're on somebody, if you're holding someone's arms or their legs, you have to have, you have to be at a particular space. You can't just be anywhere to keep the person down. There's a way to hold someone down and keep them safe. And here's the thing. If you cannot... Hold that person down and keep them safe. Not you. Let them fucking go. Yeah. You have to let them sit up. You have to move their body. You know what I'm saying? If someone, Mm -hmm. if a kid was saying to us, I can't breathe or, and it has happened. I've been in those situations. I can't breathe or my arm hurts. You know, you'd let go. You would just let go Mm -hmm. of their arm or you just reposition your body. It's not that serious. And let me be clear. I've had horrible things happen to me. I've had people spit in my face. I've had someone punch me. I've had people physically fucking attack me. I've had a kid grab my breast. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And this is a big kiss. a 17-year-old man pretty much. 
mm-hmm. you know, and these things have happened. None of those things happened to that officer. Right. But the crowd was a threat. Don't forget that. So he had to maintain the crowd. That's that's the whole defense. The six people. You know, they were they were a mob, you know, they weren't people, they were a mob. What did the what what it really boils down to is that the officer, like you said before, pride. Yeah. He just wasn't gonna let it go. And also I'd be hard pressed to believe that I'm waiting. I wanna know, did he have something in his history? Because I wouldn't be shocked. Right. Right. He just he just seems so cold. And I also wanna know, is he gonna testify on behalf of himself? You know, mm. is he gonna sit on the stand? Because the only because you know, I have some problems with him. He never appeared to be under distress. He never appeared to be wavered. He when I saw the video, the body came pressed about the crowd either. And I know at all the, Tao was the one pretty much keeping the crowd at bay. So that was his job to maintain. Do you have more than one officer there? And from my training, um right. so I mean, with my training, it's especially because we always travel with partners within the sheriff's department. And there was always one person for crowd control and then one person that dealt with the threat. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. So they do tell you that you have to make sure that you you create a safe space first. You know, right. so if it's any emergency, you have to be you have to be safe and you know, that's the main thing is the officer needs to be safe. And then, you know, the person that you're handling has to be safe. And then we were also taught you can't restrain someone that's being combative. So mm-hmm. you don't even try to handcuff someone that's being resistant, because if you get one cuff on them and then you, somehow you start fighting again and you lose control of that cuff, it's now a weapon that they have. You see right. what I'm saying? Right. So we're not even allowed to cuff anyone that's not being compliant. But the thing is that they were past that point. Right, because they were already handcuffed. And then at this point, there's four officers there. You mean to tell me that three officers can't control six people? Not just that. But like they couldn't have easily, I mean, just sat the nigga up and let him sit on the fucking sidewalk. You know how many times I've seen people sitting on the sidewalk? No, because because they already had his knee on him and that would have looked like the officer was being weak. George Floyd... Mr. Floyd died because of that officer's pride. He couldn't, he couldn't seem like the crowd was right. And see, that's the thing that needs to be taught. We need to have people that your beat is something you have a shorthand with. A shorthand is a big deal. You have to have a connection some kind of way. Because if you don't respect or like the people that you're working with, everyone's a George Floyd. Yep, yep. You know, but imagine if that was somebody who grew up in that neighborhood or somebody that 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 was around the neighborhood often and knew that George was somebody that, you know, visited the store frequently because he was. Not to mention one last thing before we go is that his girlfriend also came on the stage stand, excuse me, and talked mm-hmm. about how they met and how their first encounter, she was overwhelmed because, um, she went to go see her kid's dad in a shelter mm. talking about her children, her child's birthday coming up and that he just was, you know, not taking it serious. And she was overwhelmed. And George Floyd was a security guard, like at the Salvation Army. And when he yep. saw that she yep. was flustered, he, he offered to pray with her, mm. you know, so he seemed like a really nice guy and. You know, she also talked about like their struggles that so many people that have had any type of injury actually, 
have now because yep. the doctors prescribe you with opioids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 got hurt in a football in, uh, accident from his his neck and shoulder, and became addicted. So much so that he even used heroin. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he shot up in the store. Does that mean you lean on his neck and kill him? No. Listen, that's a topic for another day. Because again, you got people come. You got people shooting up churches that yes. are without incident. And even more recently, um, the, the 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 crazy man that was uh, killing people in massage parlors and stuff like that. He seems fine. He doesn't have any bumps or bruises, and he's he, nobody was on his neck. No, and there won't be. So yeah, yeah, again, I don't care. I shouldn't say I don't care, but the fact of the matter is, this there was no there's no there's no legitimate reason that this man should not be here with his children. There's no legitimate yeah. reason he wasn't able to be here now, and then eventually go to rehab, and then you know, but we just don't know. You know what I'm saying? But and that's that's the sad part. We don't know. Right. Or not. And I want to be clear before we end this or not, even if George died with a needle in his arm, it was not the place of the officer to kill him. It wasn't for him to do. He shouldn't have did that. And we have to understand that any of us could be George because they don't see us as anything but big and black. Yep. And a threat. And scary. Exactly. So, you know, this is why in the podcast that we had talked about before, guys, we said, to talk with our black kids this is what we're talking about because we're scared for our children to end up in what so many of our sons do end up as on mm-hmm. the ground on a t-shirt a, a mural you know we're tired of that shit mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. anyway you know again guys we'll be keeping you up if anything happens this week that's like serious we'll do a really quick something on it. This went a little longer than we expected uh, but this should be the longest of them all because we caught up for a whole week Yes. Anyway, guys, uh, you know where to look if you're trying to find out what's going on. We'll keep it up and we're going to keep it real. So have a good one. See you next week. Thanks, Dave.